are listening to Free Beers and a Movie. Nice. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of Three Beers and a Movie. I am Richard Laird and tonight I'm with... Colin McKay. Uh, and once again we're doing this from our homes because of the... Has the storm got a name? Yeah, uh, it's called storm. It's not fucking Perry. Yet, I think yeah. it's what it is. Fion, apparently, the name of the storm. Fion, like Fion Greyjoy from Game it's of Thrones. F O I N F O I N oh. N F O I N F I O N N Fion. Fion. I'm going. I'm going to say Fion Greyjoy. Storm, storm Greyjoy sounds better. Yeah, it's been very bad. So because of that, we are we we can't get any pubs and we also can't get to any cinemas right now as well yeah um and also we have no money still as well but payday it's... is moral for some of us <laughs> not <laughs> for ours quickly and it cannot come quick enough yeah payday's yeah. looming so we'll get back into the raven soon on to the business of movies and what we've been watching this week are you drinking anything tonight um i'm not unfortunately i'm, I'm still very very poor and can't afford to drink anything so i had a cup of tea earlier and I'll... that's pretty much it i am also not because i'm working at like I'll wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning and it's, it's not late just now but it's getting on to the, the, the sleeping time it's heading thing. towards the witch hour indeed yeah indeed uh, so no not drinking this now but we will we'll still, we can still discuss movies at great length yes um, we can we can so let's go with we'll start with what you've seen this week yeah we'll start with something, some couple of things I've seen not in the cinema um, the first one is a really really interesting horror that's on Netflix it's called The Autopsy of Jane Doe mm-hmm. it stars Brian Cox he of Hannibal Lecter fame Brian, he's Brian Cox of Brian Cox fame he's just he's Brian Cox <laughs> it'll always uh, be Hannibal for me always I can't see past him other than, than Hannibal that's a bit smart I do love him in, Han- in, is in The Red Dragon mm-hmm. so, oh, no Manhunter it's called isn't it Manhunter it's called yeah yeah um, but for me, actually, the one I love him in most is a film called Super Troopers. Yeah. <laughs> he plays the, 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 the lieutenant in that film. I think he's phenomenally funny in that film. He, he's uh, got a real knack and charm for comedy, hasn't he? He really he's, has. Yeah, it's one of the, we remember talking yes, like last week about great Scottish actors, and I think, in fact, I forgot Brian Cox. Brian Cox can pretty much do anything. He can do comedy, he can do like drama, he can do horror, and he can do pretty much everything. So Brian Cox is definitely one. A great Scottish actor, indeed he is. Yeah. yeah. Um, also alongside him is Emil Hirsch, mm-hmm. who I always think is an actor who should have been a lot bigger than he actually got to be. Was Emil Hirsch not involved in some kind of scandal that damaged his career? I don't, honestly don't know. Um, but I feel like one of his actors, he seems, he's got the looks, he's got the, the charm, he's a, he's a very good actor. He's, he's, he's sort of really get lost in that whole DiCaprio world when he was sort of the second fiddle to that. But I always think he does really interesting stuff, and I just thought he was one of the guys who would have been a bigger actor. Um, I'm sure there was there was a reason, like a specific reason, something something happened. I'm sure um, that the, involved with Phoenix or something, maybe perhaps. Uh, no, no, it wasn't like that. I'll, I'll quickly see if I can kind of scare it. Will you tell us more about him? Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah, well, the film is directed by a guy called Andre Ovridal, I believe his name is his name is pronounced. He's a Norwegian gentleman. Okay. Um, the other film he's directed is one that I absolutely adore. It's a film called Troll Hunter. Oh, I loved it. Did he? Ah, oh, right, okay, cool. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, okay. So the guy done Troll Hunter, which I think is a film that really, it's amazing it's not been remade yet. It's a film it's, there was talk of it, wasn't it? They said they were it was the guy who did Dog Soldiers getting involved in it. Well, it would have been all right. I would have yeah, put into that. Interesting premise. I think you could say it easily said it in like the Canadian Wilderness or the Rockies or, you know, somewhere like that and probably get the same general effect. But yeah, but a, a fantastic like sort of Scandinavian movie and it's a really well done film. Um, but this film, it's a really, it's a really odd film. Me and Jill both watched it together. And basically, it's Cox and Hirsch play father and son, who basically are like sort of like the fifth, like fourth and fifth generation um, um, morticians, um, and they run their sort of mortuary out of their own home. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and a boy gets delivered there that night, um, and they've got to try and decide. They've got to try and basically police said, We want to know what's wrong with this as soon as possible. I'll ultimately find out was why this person died because there's no obvious signs as to why the the, the the person died. So they go about at this point in time trying to just uncover how the person died by through. You see, they basically see the the process of the autopsy. Mm-hmm. The more they start doing with the autopsy, the more there's weird stuff that's, that shouldn't be there. You know, like like her, she's damaged on the inside but not on the outside. Right. You know, and there's like things in her body that shouldn't be there and stuff like that. So it starts to sort of things start to get sort of wander on from that, and, sort of, and then it becomes sort of there's a certain supernatural element brought in as well as a sort of a big storm hits the the um, the mortuary as well. Um, to say any more about the actual premise would probably ruin the film itself. It's it's a really well done horror film and it's come out a couple of years ago and I'm amazed I didn't get any more press it's, it's, it's so it does that whole Babadookian thing where it's really tense you know it's, it's not going for the, the the shock you know jump scares yeah it just kind of simmers away and gets under your skin builds tension for the for only, it's, only an hour, it's only an hour and 25 minutes long so it just mm-hmm. builds that whole time and um, every time you get to the conclusion the conclusion is kind of out there a little bit but you, I, I totally bought it and it has got a really brutal scene in the final 10-15 minutes, it, it does have you sort of wincing and looking away from the camera. Oh, away from the television, sorry. Was, uh, um, did it get a cinema release or was it just... I, I generally, I mean, I've been you see a lot of stuff and I've seen, you know, if I, have, if, I don't, if I miss a film, I'm usually aware of it at least, that I know it's around, but I don't remember this getting a cinematic release in the UK. Yeah. Which is, but we're going to get to our film later on in this, where it didn't get a cinematic release in the UK and it really should have done. Um, but yeah, Autopsy of Jane Doe, it's on Netflix, it's a really good horror film, and it's one for the people who like horror that's done right, you know, it's a thriller horror, it's not your, your horror porn, you know, it's not yeah. all good. And there's, a, there's, a, there's an element of gore in it, obviously because of the fact that it's dealing with an autopsy, so you do see sort of autopsies, but it's done in a more medical sense, it's not done to try and gross you out. Yeah, so it's a, it doesn't rely in, in, as you say, gore and horror, or, or jumps and, and stuff like that. Yeah, just a, just a really well, really tense film on horror. I, I appreciate a really tense film on horror. Cool. And out of ten, sir, what would you what would you give it? Yeah, that, I mean, I'd probably give it a really strong seven. Yeah, that's a, not really, bad at all. Yeah, for a horror film, really strong, really well done. It got under my skin, and um, I thought I felt creeped out by it. And yeah, I, I said enjoyable. A good a good TV watch. And now to talk about a horror that that got on my nerves. Um, <laughs> I watched um, a film called Jigsaw. <laughs> um, this is the eighth instalment f- in the. 18th, 8th, 80th, who, who yeah. knows? Um, I think it's actually the 6th or 7th um, okay. um, film in, in the, the Saw franchise, um, and I've just went all out and called this one Jigsaw. Um, I, I missed it in the cinema, so I watched it in the small screen. Um, and I was a huge, huge fan of, of the first Saw film. It was, it was quite original. Um, you know, the first Saw film is a great movie. The yeah, first Saw film is what we like about horror. The first Saw film is, is a tense psychological horror. Yeah, yeah. It came along and kicked kicked the genre square in the ass and kind of, you know, yeah. gave, gave it the push it needed. Um, if you've not seen it, but now shame on you, but the twist at the end, you know, the reveal and stuff like that was clever and, and you kind of, I think most people seen it coming. Um, I didn't see it coming. Did you see it coming in the film? No, no, I didn't. I mean, you got the premise of the leg and stuff like that. You knew that was going to go, but yeah, the actual, sorry, kind of, yeah, the, the, the actual twist, video. twist, you were like, no, I did not see that at all. Um, no. the, the, I think after that, they the, the kind of slowly but surely lost the originality because everyone jumped in the bad wagon and it became more about, let's see how inventive we can kill people. Um, yeah, and, it's sort of like torture porn, you know, how yeah, we yeah. really speak people out, yeah. Um, and then they started kind of messing about with the timelines, going back and forward to, to you know, the, the, the kind of main character 
was in various kind of states of his life at various points and the film's cut in and out of that and it kind of catches up now to this film and it and he just, dies in one of them doesn't he dies in like the last in like saw six or something doesn't God, he if he dies comes back and dies and god knows what um that, that's the problem is that there's so much to kind of keep tabs on that you kind of you, you stop giving a fuck and you just want to see people dying which isn't the point of a movie like that it shouldn't be anyway and that's exactly what this one does is it's so convoluted and so far up its own asshole that the story <laughs> makes no sense whatsoever and you just kind of lose any interest or giving a fuck about the story at any point and because it, it kind of launched torture porn almost to a point um, those kind of deaths have been done so much that it's hard to be original so even the deaths that they're trying to do are just lost that shock value and that originality so all you've got is this film it's retreading old ground but we are really, really bad story. Um, there's a twist at the end that, that is it just makes no sense. It's just put in there purely to be a twist at the end. It doesn't, you know, tie into any of the film. It's just that at the end, it's like there's a twist, and you're like, you know, there's no context. It's just you're trying to be clever, but you, you've kind of not built up enough scenario you to be like clever. To be yeah, you, you can't just go at the end, or you know, and the earth was fucking flat, and you know that's a twist. There's not yeah. a twist you've got to lead up to that. Um, so it kind of suffered for, for that, and I, I like horror, I like torture porn, um, you know, I like gore and stuff like that, but that, this was just fucking dreadful. Um, I'm assuming the film as well, it was basically the, the, the cast and a parade of young starlets who are completely nameless and, fa- and you could be anyone. Yeah, pr- pretty much. I mean, one or two faces pop up from the previous films, but the problem with that is even as in the previous films... There's no one kind of even really big there anyway, so you're still getting kind of B-listers turning up in these movies, you know, and they're the big stars, but they're still B-listers. Yeah, I mean, I um, think the first one had, obviously the first one had Carrie Elwes in it, didn't it? You know, Carrie so Elwes, yeah, yeah. And also had Danny Glover in it as well, so mm-hmm. it, felt, it felt like a weighty cast, you know, of good actors in it. Yeah. Even though the premise of the film may be stupid and it may be silly. Um, they can bring us. They can bring something to that that makes it very watchable. Yeah, yeah. But if the, 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 of that talent on screen, then you know you're watching this as a series of screaming soap, like soap yeah, actors. Yeah, exactly. I've no belonging to. I don't. I don't give a damn what happens to you. In fact, yeah. I want you to die in an inventive way. And yeah. if, if that's all I'm looking for now. And as I say, even that disappoints, which was the worst of it, you know, is that you're thinking, well, you know, I know it's not going to be a great film, but at least I can, you know, get a chuckle out of, you know, these fucking imaginative ways of killing people, and, meh, never happened. Yeah. Um, out of ten, I would probably give it three and a half. Yeah, maybe, I I maybe a four, because of the kind of the love for the genre more than the film itself. Um, I missed it at the cinema. I, I think I made a, a conscious choice not to go and see it. Yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that was a good, a good, um, a good decision. But yeah. I, I will probably catch it on DVD or Blu-ray or guy at some point. Joe yeah. actually is a weird fan of the franchise. Yeah. actually enjoys it a lot. I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me though, um, if within the next few years, especially with kind of, you know, the, the, the kind of Blumhouse really kind of giving horror up, you kind of much needed boost again, is that they will eventually bring out another good Saw movie. And I think you should see this just to kind of keep your toes dipped in the franchise, right. do you know what I mean? So that if it does come out, you kind of still got that, that continuity through it, um, even though they've fucked that themselves mostly. Yeah. Um, but I, I do ho- hold out hope that there's still a good Saw movie to come. Um, you know, we've not seen the last of them, and hopefully the kind of wee industry shake-up we're having just now might be maybe what's needed to, to push that along. Nice one. So yeah. anything else you've seen at home of late? Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> I see... I w- 
I watched Geostorm. Okay. <laughs> um, we, we didn't see this in the cinema. Well, you didn't see it in the cinema either, did you? Geostorm? I most definitely did see it in the cinema. I think I maybe even saw this in Super Screen at the cinema. Did you? I paid right. additional oh, money to okay. see this. Um, Geostorm was all kinds of fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of the worst things. I mean, and, I, and I, this is what annoyed me about this year. People kept saying how, um, or like Bright was one of the worst films, like one of the, was the worst film of the year, or X was the worst film of the year. So, like, and in a year when we had something like Geostorm out, you can be bad, you're never going to be Geostorm bad. Oh, Jesus. I mean, it's not even, it's like Sharknado bad, but without the charmer being without, a bad Sharknado film. Yeah, that's like, yeah, that's like, with something like Sharknado, there's a wink and a nod to the camera. They know they're bad. They know they're, they're pitching to a specific genre yeah. of and a specific sort of fan base, and they sort of they, they know how to capture that audience. Geostorm is taking itself seriously. Yeah, it really is very, very poor faced. You know, it is like a you know weird, you know, all American, and you know, we love this shit, and it's yeah. oh, it's so bad, Richard. Um, there's not a single wink to the camera of even anyone on screen at any point. No. Knowledge no. and like even something you watch something like 2012, which is like ridiculously stupid. It's or even not which one we saw with um, The Rock. Oh my god, um, San Andreas. San Andreas, utterly stupid, utterly retarded. But it knows what it is. Yeah. You've been, he's very poor faced in it. Uh huh. But you've got the guy whose name I'm now forgetting. He's, he plays the Rhino in the Spider Man film. Great actor. Uh, Paul Giamatti, yeah. Paul Giamatti. Yeah. He is winking and nodding the camera. He knows <laughs> the stupidity that he's in. He does. It makes it passable. Same with like even something like Transformers: The Last Night or Transformers: Extinction, or the hell one that was recently. You've got Stanley Tucci in there, mm-hmm. who is nodding, winking enough to the camera. You go like, "I'm. This is terrible." But he knows it's terrible, and yeah. I can enjoy him knowing it's terrible. This film lacked. This Geostorm film lacked it's, that. It was. Uh, I, I believe the, the budget for this was like over a hundred million, mm. and the, the special the special effects were like. I mean, I play Xbox and. You know, I've got better <laughs> special effects from my fucking Xbox games than, than I've seen on, on this movie. Yeah. Um, where did the budget go? I mean, I'm assuming Jerry Butler's not, you know, pulling in that much kind of expense. You know, surely he's not nowhere all the money went. I'm betting, I'm betting Jerry Butler's charging at least 10 million a movie. Jesus. I mean, it, it, it just for, for a movie, for a disaster movie for a start, that pitched itself as pompous as it did to... to give you that is just you know shame on that fucking director you know shame and and well, the distributor the, shame and everybody involved in it because throw as a director i'm not gonna throw him under the bus but the director who's credited on the film i don't believe if all the film is his the oh. film was, was made i think back in 2016 actually mm-hmm. but the majority of it and then they went right back and shot a load of it to try and ham fist some other story into it right um and that's where a lot of the production delays and everything. this film should have been out a while ago it's been in sort of development for a, for a long time yeah, yeah. Um, and that I think you can always tell that in a film you know when it's been the work of more than one director yeah. and a lot most films who have that will always suffer from it you know like you watch like say for example you watch Rogue One Rogue One had like three, direct, like three or four directors on it at one point you know and you can see the mishmash of that and you yeah. can, they wanted to cobble together a solid if not brilliant a solid movie mm-hmm. out of it but you can see we thought with Justice League as well when you see two visions mm-hmm. getting together there's something yeah. not something not going to work there yeah and uh, maybe that's what it is with a film but See, the, the, the biggest sin is those special effects. Um, I don't know if you felt the same, or maybe it was different in the big screen, you, you overlooked it, because I know sometimes in a big screen you kind of get absorbed into it that you don't really notice the kind of rougher edges. Yeah, but... I would say that. The big screen actually looked quite... Some of the stuff looked quite... like I like I quite like the, the sort of freezing wave thing coming towards the uh, wheel. Right. That looked quite cool. Um, 
But I can imagine on the small screen those would fall apart. Terrible. Yeah. Um, and the best part of the film wasn't when Jared Butler talked in code to his brother. Oh my god, that was that was dreadful. <laughs> um, but I think I, I would give it for pure cheese factor. I, I would you know not even a ten three again a three and a half out of ten, ten three and a half. Yeah. I gave it, I'm looking back on this. We, we discussed this. Some people want to discuss it further. We, we talked about it in episode 20. Um, and I gave it a 4 out of 10. Yeah, so, so we're pretty much on a par then with how, how yeah, fucking bad and it was. Like, I went into it wanting it to be so awful. I loved it. And it wasn't. And it, it was just it was awful. awful enough to be that way. <laughs> it just felt lazy. If you can make an absolutely awful, awful movie, I will find some annoying charm in that. Like, for example, people might call The Greasy Strangler a truly awful film. No, but they- I it's got for joy and amazement in that. Yeah, it's got it's got heart to it. It's got soul, and you can see there's love behind the the, the film. But with something like Geostorm, it's just trash. Or even like um, what's the one? What's the Frankenstein one out? Not the uh, I Frankenstein one with um, the one with um, Two Face and the the Frankenstein one who's still alive after like two hundred years. He still walks there. It is atrocious. <laughs> Like, genuinely just one of the worst pieces of trivials in your life but I find it oddly compelling same, <laughs> Van, same with like Van Helsing yeah. like Van Helsing is a truly awful film but yeah. I can watch it because it's so bad it knows it's bad and it's and you can embrace that badness about it but this was just like this was lazy and, I hate, yeah. and lazy filmmaking it gets me more annoyed than bad filmmaking and it's a real shame because I think um, I've always had a soft spot for the, the old disaster movies in the 60s and 70s um, maybe even 80s to a certain extent um, but you know, I've always had a kind of fondness for them, and and this could almost have been a kind of relaunch, you know, to to really. Kind of, I mean, I know the Rocks tried to do it and stuff like that, but this could have been the one that you know kind of gave them that wee bit more kind of status, and you know, brought them back to life a bit more, and and kind of gave us more of them, and it's just fucking destroyed them. So I think we're we're still going to be waiting a long time for that that kind of magical seventies themed disaster movie that I want to have back. But um, yeah, so between both, it's barely scraped a 4 out of 10, so yeah, I'd fucking avoid it at all costs if if possible. Anything um, else you want to discuss of late? Um, yeah, one, one more, yeah, um, that I've seen. Uh, yeah, this is a, a Netflix original um, starring Chadwell Boseman, um, Chad- who, who's not Chutwell Edge of always had the two of them mixed up. They do have bad, a bad teacher, they could play, definitely play not father and son, but they could definitely yeah. play brothers or cousins or. Yeah, but um, this is a film starring, and if there's a film starring Chadwick Boseman, and it, uh, it's called Hello from the King. Um, premise without trying to ruin it, because I think it's just recently been put on the Netflix, I don't think it's, it's, it's that old, so it's still, you know, there to catch. Um, this fella from South Africa turns up in Los Angeles looking for his sister. Um, in the course of looking for his sister, finds out some bad shit's happened. Um, Goes vigilante and kind of uncovers, you know, some gritty shit about his sister and stuff like that. I've heard this. I have. I've not seen this one, but I have heard about this one. Is it? Is it solid? Is it enjoyable? Is it's it really, really solid. Um, it not. It's not quite got the kind of grit and stuff like that that maybe something like Death Wish has got. Right. Um, but what it does really well is it takes Los Angeles, um, Hollywood, all that kind of shit, um, and it. Kind of shows you the horrible side of it, the city side, because right. you know you always kind of see and you know fucking La La and you know Hollywood's perfect and you know that that kind of part of America is just this amazing place. But this shows you know you know it's a shithole and it's got horrible parts and horrible people as well. It does that, 
Um, yeah, it just kind of gives you the bleakness as well, and you feel it. You feel it. Um, our boy um, Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman, um, does. He's still practicing his South African accent, so he's, he's you know, he's, he's still kind of taking that on board just now. And he's, he's playing a South African character. Um, it's solid all the way through it. Um, he, you know, he kind of broods a lot in this film. Um, he's kind of the kind of more silent direct type, you know, that just kind of, he's kind of focused on what he's doing and he's heading in a straight line and causing chaos as he goes in that straight line, but he plays the part really, really solidly. Um, and the cast run about him, I don't think there's anyone a great notability, but the yeah. cast run about him, oh, no, there is, um, Dr. Octopus is in it, Alfred Molina, he, he plays, he's, he's in it, he plays a really good part in it as well. But yeah, really, really solid film. Um, violence in it. I was made in back in 2016, so it's been out for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. No got released. He is one of those actors who Chadwick Boseman particularly is an actor who other than the portrayal of T'Challa, the Black Panther mm. he's not blown me away yet. Like, you think Gods of Egypt and he's awful in that. I forgot, man. The, the, the thing I most remember him from is um, Getting Up, James Brown. He was good as James. He didn't, the film wasn't great but he got James he, Brown down well. Yeah, I thought that as well. The film was really shallow. It didn't kind of expose enough of the kind of Brown. horrible bastard that was James yeah. Brown as well, but his portrayal was yeah phenomenal. He was really good. Also, yeah, yeah. he plays Jackie Robinson in, in the film called Forty Two, which is the film all about the baseball player Jackie Robinson. Obviously, I've not seen that. Um, mm-hmm. He's he's very he plays he plays Jackie Robinson. He's he's good, but again, it, it does feel very sort of like he's he's doing a an impression mm-hmm. as opposed to bringing something to it. And whereas the T'Challa character, I feel he's he's doing something with that that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, I'm not really, I've not been, I'm not 100% behind him been doing other stuff yet. I've not really seen anything blown away yet. But <coughs> I think he's an actor who's also very interesting. Yeah. And yeah. Could do, could do more stuff. Out of ten, what are you gonna? Out of a ten, I would give this a solid seven. Um, possibly oh. seven and a half out of ten. It's really, right. really watchable. Um, and I mean, I know you'll catch it anyway. Um, but <laughs> you know, I think you'll really enjoy watching it. Um. Jill will enjoy it as well, I'm sure. Uh, you know, it's really solid, solid film. Um, kind of has its few kind of ebbs and flows, you know, as most films yeah. do. But overall, you, you kind of by the end of it, you feel, you know, satisfied and, and happy that you know you kind of concluded itself well and you've watched a, a, a good film. So, well done, Netflix. You've not in any way compensated for Bright. Don't fucking think you have. But you know, Netflix, well done. Yeah. Um, well, that's right. Well, I'm going to move on to some cinema stuff now. Yes, I've seen the cinema. And first of all, mention one we talked about actually, I think about two weeks in a row we've talked about it, but I finally got around to seeing it, uh, which was <coughs> Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. Hey, well done you for seeing it, sir. And what did you think? I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. Good. It's got a lot more charm than I thought it would. Mm-hmm. Um, the four mate, the four leads have a lot of charm together. You know, yeah. very they work well off each other. Um. It's not perfect. There's a lot of plot holes in it. It's not perfect by any stretch. It does drag a good mm-hmm. chunk. So yeah. You could probably knock a good 20 minutes, half an hour off it and probably make just as good a movie. Yeah. Or even, sorry, a better movie. Um, but no, like for for a family film, it was pretty... It was it, it filled the, the thing. You could take a kid, not maybe your youngest kid, maybe you could take like your, your you know, maybe 10 to 14-year-olds to it. Yeah. And just totally engage with it. Absolutely. Uh, and they would enjoy it. The Rock's fantastic. He does. He's fantastic. What he does in this film, he's got a real charm to himself in this film. He's not 
trying too hard in this film. He's good at lampooning himself, isn't he? Yeah. He really kind of knows who he is, and he's you know he's not shy to send himself up, which is which yeah. is good. I thought Jack Black was great in it. I've not said that with Jack Black in a sort of a big budget film like this for a long time. I sometimes say I'm a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not always Jack Black makes choices a lot of times. Sometimes I'm I'm not interested in them, but when Jack Black every now and again will do something that really does interest me. You know, he does something like Bernie. He does. He did that. Go- I thought I really liked him in the Goosebumps movie. Yeah, and that D Train. Remember that as well. That was, D Train was an interesting. Yeah. D Train was a really interesting choice as well. He did um, it in that. Yeah. Well, um, he, he has got that ability to, to do really interesting stuff. Like even something like School of Rock. Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting character he's made up there. You know, when he does the, uh, he's not. It's not Ned Schleibly. That's the the guy he's covered up for. But whoever he's playing, in that film, he, it's a choice of a character. He does. A, he does do a lot of like just. To be honest, yeah, yeah, de- definitely. He really started to be cast up into that character. Kevin Hart, I like Kevin Hart a lot. Like, I don't like his stand up, but I like him on screen. When yeah, he's but this is probably the film I've least enjoyed him in. Really, I felt he offered the least out of the four mate out of the four leads. I think he was in full on Kevin Hart mode, maybe. Yeah, I felt he just he didn't bring anything interesting to it. Yeah. You know, he's playing in his. Film, he's the the big tough jock in the and he's the big tough jock. He's playing basically, but obviously in the Kevin Hart body. Mm-hmm. He never that film, but I, whereas I got The Rock was supposed to be a dweeb. Yeah. Now The Rock, I got the idea that the um, I forget the Scottish girl's name. Uh, Karen Gillan. Karen Gillan. She's playing a sort of nerdy dowdy girl who's also yeah. in hot and can do all this stuff. I kind of got that. You kind of got it from it. And I also got the fact that Jack Black's actually, you know. A, 17 year old girl make me go that's who you are yeah. Never got Kevin Hart. but overall <coughs> enjoyed the shit out of it really fun it's a good fun cinema popcorn watch definitely, definitely. it's making all the money right now Makes show it, me but it feels like a Jumanji film I think it, it doesn't feel like you know it's cashing in in Jumanji actually you know it does respect the original and it feels like part of that world that, that, that's carried on. I think they've treated it with, you know, a lot of respect and they've looked at the source material and they've thought, yeah, let's, you know, tap into that as well. Yeah, there's enough, there's not many nods to the original. All you've really got is a game at the start which pretty much ends with our film, the first film stop. Yeah, and the Nick Jonas tie-ins with where he lives and stuff like that as yeah, well. That yeah. yeah, that's the only thing. But it, it does feel very much like a Jumanji kind of film. I like the fact the guy from What We Do In The Shadows turned up in it as well. Yeah, that was funny. Um, which I, I didn't realise it was like, And it's a really odd thing, I like the video game aspect of it. Yeah, I got that a lot because, you know, kids don't, Care about board games, so I like what they done with that. And that people were saying, see, with, see stuff like when you talk to character and the characters repeat the same line over and over and over again mm-hmm. because they're like they're the non-playable characters, but they're just yeah telling you the same thing over and over again until you figure out what you've got to do. Yeah, I really like that. That's that's that felt very in the same way that Edge of Tomorrow felt like a video game, even though it wasn't a video game. Mm-hmm. It felt like a proper video game adaptation, even though it's not a real video game. It felt like they've got. They've kind of got the, the point of what a video game should be. Yeah, definitely. What yeah. I do like, and I hope that it kind of continues to, to, to grow in, in strength, is um, I like the pairing of The Rock and Kevin Hart. And I agree with you, I don't think this is Kevin Hart's best performance or his best performance with The Rock, but I do think the two of them have got a really good chemistry together. <laughs> and I they hope, I they, hope they, they kind of you know keep making films, because eventually they're going to make a film that's just going to be you know absolutely stunning, I think. But yeah. they, they work really well together. They have got something to that you feel is that's really interesting. They can they do work off each other really yeah. well. Right? It's almost just the visual aspect of them. You know, one is you know six foot four, built like a house, 
and is the, the, the manliest of men. You this other one that's just like, smaller than me, basically. Yeah, I be tiny, five foot nothing guy who's sort of <laughs> all they're all quite soft spoken when you hear him talk a lot of time. You, mm-hmm. you know, he's not he hasn't got the booming voice that you would expect from him. Yeah, he can do it if he wants to. You know, if he's in the ring and stuff, like he can do that big booming voice. He does seem a bit more soft spoken, with, with uh, and he's a bit more sort of reserved in his his um, ability to, to like when he talks. Yeah, there's always a Kevin Hart's just sort of this. You know, nah. you know, his pocket dino just screams at the top of his lungs and just doesn't shut up. You know, it's, it's, nice. it's a nice, you know, sort of yin and yang they have. Definitely, between. I like it a lot. Um, yeah, so Jumanji, Welcome to Jungle. It's like it's still in the cinema because it's making ridiculous money right now. Like, mm-hmm. it's going to make a billion. Yeah, well, yeah, it's making huge money, like absolutely massive money. Do you think that it's down to the source material, or do you think it's down to the cast? I think partly due to the cast, but what I think is the biggest push of it now, and this is not my own thought, this is um, somebody on Twitter um, was talking about this, the people who were watching Jumanji when they were kids, they've now had kids, hmm. and they're now taking their kids to go and see Jumanji. So, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, that, that makes yeah. sense, yeah. Because yeah, I've made my kids watch it, yeah, so, yeah. That's where it's coming from, which makes it even more frustrating that a film like Power Rangers didn't work. But Power Rangers was always shit. Um, it was always yeah, cheesy, whereas Jumanji never was, so Jumanji was so, always cool. But it's still the same, it's the same, people the same age who are going, oh shit, I love this when I was a kid, I'm going to take my kids to go and see it. Even the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, it's people who are our age or my age watching their kids, taking their kids to go and see it, and it makes massive money. You know, that's the you know, it's why it's when something does drop the ball, like, say, for example, Power Rangers, that film should have been a billion, because everyone who loved Power Rangers when they were, like, you know, 10 years old, has, is now 30, and they've got three kids all about 10 years old. You know, I think Power Rangers was always like more of a, a guilty pleasure I always found though. You know, it's like kind of you watched it but you never kind of admitted to watching it. No, I mean, dude, I, I, I think it's I, still got that as well to this day. I think <laughs> that is more of a guilty pleasure than a, you know, a... a nah, Jill, she can me like she loved the Power Rangers and I know a lot of people my age loved the Power Rangers as well. It was a massive thing of, of children. You've been, you've been probably obviously too old at the time it came out. I've, I've I've had my fair share of Power Rangers um, yeah, in, a, in, a guilty, in a guilty pleasure. Well, <laughs> you're older, but if you were ten years old when that came out, it was actually it was a big hit. And right back to uh, your ratings for Jumanji. Sir. Jumanji, I'll give it six and a half. Um, oh, and also had one of your favourite um, side actors in it, Bobby Cannavale was in it as well. It was. I think again, not enough screen time, but yeah, I did enjoy him a lot. He was he was very snarly. He was very he, he was chewing the fucking scenery. He, he done well, I think. He looked uh, like a video game bad guy, which is essentially what he is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, again, no, n- never at any point did anyone take the movie seriously at all. They all no, knew exactly yeah, go, what they were making. Everyone yeah. knew exactly what they were working with. Yeah, exactly what they were in. They got, everyone in the film got the tone. Good. I'm glad you've seen it, sir. I'm glad you enjoyed it as well because I know you had slight reservations, so I'm glad to. I, well, moving on to some newer stuff that's out. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one we'll talk about is, I don't think you've seen this one yet, it's a film called, it's actually out on Wednesday, I caught it on advanced preview about oh, maybe two weeks ago, a film called Downsizing. Mm-hmm. Um, our friend Stu was supposed to be on Mike tonight to talk about it, because he is a massive final director, a guy called Alexander Payne, okay. uh, who directed Sideways. Yep. Uh, the Descendants, the, the Clooney one. Yep, I've seen that either. Uh, Nebraska, you remember Nebraska? Yep. Remember Nebraska, the one, the black and white one with um, Bruce Dern? No. No, I mean, no. Uh, Nebraska, phenomenal film. Anyway, I think this is <coughs> Alexander Payne in slightly different territory, going for almost an effects laden film, you know, compared to what he's used to. Normally he's very much a gritty, you know, 
slice of life type things, you know, all short, you know, it feels like a shoestring budget. Right. And the point of this film is, it's mankind has invented technology that can essentially shrink people down to like one one thousandth of size. And they do this because of over, overpopulation, and the world is going to collapse because of we're basically destroying the planet. But if we can all get to be really small, then we'd need you know one one thousandth the amount of stuff we need, so the world can then survive. Um, On the that, premise of that, is is that for the entire population? Or? It, no, it's, it's voluntary. It's voluntary. People people choose to do it. Right. Right. Okay. Um, and the world get these sort of like big, sort of basically they've got these basically big massive cities set up where people who are downsized can go and live in, but they're not massive. They're only the size of like maybe like a normal house. Right. But it's like a million houses in it. If you know what I mean, it's like a big complex. Mm-hmm. Um, the film stars Matt Damon, who yeah. is. Uh, the title character, the main character in it, who's sort of considering getting downsized and eventually does get downsized in order to, because he just feels like his life and as a normal person isn't as good. You feel they like can do more if he's a small person because your money goes further at that point. You know, you're, I think it's in the trailer. You know, if you worth fifteen, if you get one hundred fifty thousand dollars in the real world, that's worth like twenty million in the the mini in world. The downsized world, yeah. Oh yeah, and he's the main character. You also got Kristen Wiig in it, who plays his um, his wife. Um, you've also got Crystal Waltz in it, who's a downsized person, and you get Ugo Kerr, who's not Kerr, can't remember how to pronounce that. He plays Crystal Waltz's mate, very enjoyable one. Jason Sudeikis, who pops up for about ten minutes in it as well, and you've also got Hong Chow, who is the, the sort of main female protagonist in the film. Okay. Um, watching this, and I think from what I've talked to Stu about, that he's felt the same thing. It's a fantastic premise. It's a really cool premise. Mm-hmm. And for about two thirds of this movie, it delivers a really good film. I really I, like. I was enjoying it. I was into it. What's interesting is it's a it's a film being being made small, but once you're made small, everything everything really is in proportion to you. So nothing feels small. Yeah. Just every now and again, they'll throw something random in. Like you in know, the trailer, it's the the vodka bottle. It's the kind of when they give you the trailer, yeah. Yeah, or the rose or something you're carrying, or um, when you shrink down, you can put the stuff you want to take into the world, into the downside world, into a box. Right. Um, and that gets taken to your, your new house, but obviously it'll, it'll be full size. So, like, for example, the wedding rings go that are full size. Uh-huh. You can't shrink the wedding rings down. So, basically, they, like, sort of people would hang them up up in their doors or something as a, as, like, a sort of, as a monument in their house. Right. You know, so stuff like that, it makes you like, oh, shit, this, this, that's a world that's really big mm-hmm. or small, sorry, you know, people in this little moments like that. Um, it's just the final act that just entirely lets the film down. I don't want. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I know you want yeah. to see the film. I'm not yeah. going to tell. I don't want to ruin it. The final act just it it. I, the thing I texted my friend about it was I said the film goes great until it wily coyotes off a cliff. You know, it's running, it's running, it's running full pace, and it gets there the cliff. It keeps running, and eventually you're as soon as you look down, you're kind of going, this this is utterly stupid and makes no sense. You know, it's a, it's a complete left turn in the actual point of the film. Is and it just, like nonsense, like completely nonsensical to, to the point of like you know it's just fucking a bizarre choice? Like what? The I fuck? think it's I think it's a completely bizarre choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard people try to justify it. I don't buy the justification of it. I think it's an absolutely awful turn in the movie, and which leads to the actual conclusion of the film. Right. It's just it's an it's awful. I think it's, it really it just absolutely destroyed the film the last third of the movie. 
You sound a bit angry about it. You sound well, like it's... Well, because one of the films that I'd really high hopes for, I really like Alexander Payne as a director. I'm not as big a fan of him as our boy Stu is. Mm. He loves him. I'm, I'm a big fan of Nebraska. Stu loves Sideways. He's a huge fan of that film. Um, he talked about it at length. Um, I really enjoyed Nebraska. I thought it was a really good film. And Payne's a really interesting director. It felt like this was a film that he could real potential, could have really done something interesting with. And it just... It, just the ending just absolutely... Just, oh, it just... To, because of that, I, came out, I did come out a little bit pissed off and angry about it. Wow. Just, see such potential just, just lost. There is some fantastic stuff in it. You know, you've got um, Hong Chow, who plays like, sort of the main female um, protagonist in it, who's sort of just committed to the film until about, probably about a good maybe 40 minutes into the film, mm-hmm. something like that. <clears throat> but once she comes in, she steals the movie. She absolutely is phenomenal in the film. Like, there's talk about getting like a best supporting actress, and she fully deserves to at least get nominated for it because she is brilliant in a role, and she's like she's funny, she's charming, but she's also just she's this real pathos to her as well. And that, if you, if, like, you enjoyed the first forty minutes, you get to see sort of like Matt Damon as a fish out of water a little bit. Yeah, and you get to enjoy him, and then all of a sudden you get hit with this, and you go, "This is this is this could be a really fantastic film," and then boom, third act. <laughs> Dude, this is, you sound fucking genuinely annoyed about this. Um, um, right, I, I'm going to try and go and see it. So, so I'm planning to take Lorraine to see it next week. We both want to really see it. Um, what I want to know is, when you watch the trailer, it, it sells it as a comedy. You know, it, it, it's a funny film. Um, <coughs> is, it, is it a comedy? Cause it, it is a comedy, yes. But it's it's a comedy in, in uh, sort of in inverted commas or something. You know, it, it's got a lot of drama and a lot of you know, darker parts to it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The comedy does work. Yeah. But it's not an out. It's not an out and out comedy. It's not Honey I Shrunk the Kids, for example. It's yeah. not that. It is like I said. If you if you were to watch something like Nebraska, Sideways, Descendants, something like that that Payne has done in the past, it's very much in that mold to an extent of. It's it will find comedy and in, in stuff, but there is always there is always a, a dark side, a darker side to this. Okay, cool. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, can I also point out, just before we wrap up on this film, um, when you see the trailer um, and you see Matt Damon in the hospital getting ready for the operation or the, the procedure or the process, whatever they call it, um, don't you think he looks quite spooky like our sometimes co-host Barry? I actually did think that as well. Not, <laughs> not so much not so much at the bit when he's in the hospital. The bit when he just comes out of the hospital, you see him walking around, he's wearing, a, he's wearing a sort of the same kind of shorts that Barry wears. Yeah. He did have a real barriness about him, and I was like, oh my god, Barry's made it big. Yeah, Barry's, uh, Barry's making his way to Hollywood. Um, so, there you go, Barry, if you're listening, you Matt Damon motherfucker. Bald, completely <laughs> shaven, and looking kind of desolate in the film. <laughs> <laughs> in the nicest possible way, of nice, course, because nice we love Barry. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I was watching the trailer, I had a wee chuckle about it, and I pointed out to Lorraine, and she was like, oh yeah, he does as well. So yeah, we're, we're, all, we're all agreed. <laughs> he does look a little bit like Barry. Um, um, out of ten, sir. Out of ten, I'm going to give it a seven. Right, let's play a little game. The first two acts out of ten. If it had delivered what it's promised, it could easily be a nine. Wow. So it's that last seven, act. It gets a seven because of the first two acts. It's and also Hong Chow, who right. is like I said, phenomenal in it. Christoph Waltz doesn't do much in it. He rather than be Christoph Waltz, but he's, I like Christoph Waltz. Yeah. He's always charming. Damon does really good stuff in it, so there's enough in it that makes it a solid, really good, enjoyable watch. 
it falters, like I said, in the third act. That's what really lets it down. Do you think, because, I mean, it does seem to be a mishmash of genres, sci-fi, comedy, stuff like that, and it seems to be the type of film that, that wouldn't tick Oscar boxes? So. Which, no, it's, which, not going to take off, it's not going to take off. You know what? You know what? You know the best one to compare it to, in terms of how you came out of it, the Clooney one out Suburbicon. Right, I've not seen that. Either, I remember so. Uh, Same idea. You go in with a certain perception of it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't quite go with that perception, of it, which is good in sometimes, good in some ways, but it takes such drastic twists through it that you feel it's just, it's just it's a it's an idea that was underdeveloped and didn't. And they, if they'd taken more time on it, or even, you know, just approached it in a slightly different way, mm-hmm. you'd have a much better film. Cool. Well, I'm still looking forward to seeing it. Um, you yes, know, you, you, you kind of sold it on me, and and you know, I might come out with a different opinion altogether. But you know, I'm kind of going to go in definitely with anticipation and and, and high high expectation. That I'll yeah, when yeah. I said when you will, like I said, and I did enjoy the film. There's not there's no problem about. It. I did enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I just didn't. The final act made me enjoy it less than, than I wanted to enjoy it. Just, it's, that is that failure of 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 the act of the the narrative, isn't it? <coughs> the final maybe thirty minutes. Yes, that's that's where my issues came, and because of that, I have to like, knock it down a few points. Oh, um, can I just point out to anyone that, that, that's listening? Um, Richard is sounds like he's got the Australian flu. I'm just saying. I right. do have Australian flu. That's also next week. If it's just like calling one beer in a movie, no, Richard. You know. could have died of the Australian flu. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> I want to go. Uh, do you want you've seen the cinema film that I didn't go and see? Oh, right. So we're talking about films, but we we kind of you know bad acts and good acts. So so the. the Kind of latest horror offering um, from Blumhouse is Insidious, Chapter Four: The Lost Keys or the Last Keys or some fucking keys. Um, and sadly, it's a film that's got three really bad acts in it. Um, it's just fucking nonsense. Um, <sighs> let's let's kind of go back with it. Like the Insidious franchise in itself, do you enjoy, have you enjoyed the Insidious movie? I liked the first one. Was quite good and quite chilling, quite well acted. I enjoyed the first two. Second one, yeah, it wasn't as good as the first, but it wasn't bad. Yeah, I yeah. that. By the time you got to the third one, it was getting a bit kind of lazy and sloppy. Is the third one the one that's set on the farm? Mm, the second one's the one where she goes in to get the husband back, isn't it? Yeah, I thought the third one said something like it's some sort of it's like almost think, a sequel to something. I think you're right. Um, it's said like some sort of farmland or something, isn't it? It's a barn or something. I remember a lot of things they think it's a barn. Yeah, possibly. See, the thing is with Blumhouse is you start to merge Insidious. Film, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which, I kind of mix, I always mix up like Insidious and Sinister. They all yeah. kind of form the same film as Yeah, but, and because they've all got so many sequels now, you know that that kind of blurs even more. Um, this we've got to a point now where the it's not badly written, but you know, there's just there's no surprise, there's no fright, there's no scare, um, particularly so in this one. Um, you know, there was kind of one jump scare at the very start. It was a lazy jump scare, um, and then you had like you know ninety minutes of just drama, I suppose. Um, at the most, um, it tries to be funny, and it right. it's not. You know, it's got the two. Their two assistants trying to be funny, you know, the guy with the glasses and the guy with the kind of long hair and the beard, and they're the kind of comic relief in it, and it's just they're not funny. Um, a couple of female characters they throw in there that, that have absolutely nothing to fucking do other than 
you know, look distressed and, and, and helpless. Um, you know, it's terrible. Um, the the main actress, I can't remember her name, who plays the, the old kind of clairvoyant psychic woman. Um, she tries to act, you know, she really doesn't. There is times where you can see that the conviction she's got to that part, but I just think the writing is so weak that it, you know, it, it just comes across as poor because she's not got the kind of the support and cast around her to give it any kind of gravitas, you know, so she's yeah, really, really at, going for it, but it's just... I'm looking at the cast right now, and what I can, comparing it to the first films, Insidious 1 and Insidious 2 had Patrick Wilson and Rose Byrne, who are both very good actors, like, yeah. you know, actors. Mm-hmm. This film has got a completely nondescript cast. Yeah, yeah. Apart you know, from, just... I mean, she comes back as a recurring character, and that's, she. she's pretty much the biggest name in it, I think. Yeah. 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 It's a very, it's a very weak cast. Yeah. Um, was that? I'm, I'm not going to go and see. It. I, I'm, I'm kind of against going to see this kind of mainstream horror in the cinema right now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because of the audience that attracts. Yeah. Which is an, an annoying audience. That <laughs> um, was that the audience you had for this film? Um, th- th- there was a few, but I think we would spoke about this earlier on during the week. Um, that I think cinema goers in general just now seem to be a ignorant bunch of people um, yeah. the, the etiquette in cinema seems to be a fucking dying thing and it seems to be acceptable now to you know fuck about with your phone and whisper and chat and you know just be a general asshole and not fucking mm. watch the film so it seems to be acceptable but I think you're right I think even more so with, with films like this I suppose that they do attract a certain 15 to maybe kind of 20 year old is a kind of big audience for them and, and that's maybe why but there have been a lot of movies that, you know we use where we've both been where you know the, the, the arseholes and cinema have been you know an older generation you know yeah, no, no, something no, fucking no. misbehaving so it's not just kids um, no no I'm absolutely not like you said cinematic it has sort of, in recent years really has taken a real plummet yeah, yeah. But, but I just feel these kind of films every film I've, the only time I've had to walk out of films over the last few years has pretty much always been these type of horrors yeah because yeah. I just it's just because they attract an audience of people who just don't know how to be in a cinema. I think... Yeah. But the film itself, back to the city is the last key. Honestly, um, I, I didn't dislike it. I didn't like it. That's the problem. Is that, you know, it was just meh. And a horror film shouldn't be meh. You know what I mean? A horror film should be, you know, you, you love it and think, you know, that was good or you didn't like it and just for, to have nothing, you know, it was just, it was a Richter scale, it's just a fucking flat, you know, nothing happened at all, it was just dull. Um, didn't dislike it, didn't like it, didn't care about it and I, I, I never want to watch it again and, yeah, you know, I, I'm not going to go and recommend it to anyone, you know, I wouldn't fucking say it's the worst movie I've ever seen but it's just, just nothing, it's just, it's no, just a, yeah, li- yeah. a lifeless, soulless film. Um, we we almost say with something you forget about a film by the time you hit the escalator. You're probably forgetting this film as soon as you walk, like literally left the uh, cinema. I think for the last ten minutes, you you, you know you're kind of getting ready to leave. Um, you know it's, oh, it's like yeah. you've already forgotten about it. You know you're just kind of thinking right, you know, cool about sharp today and get home quickly. You know it, it yeah. just it just gives you nothing at all. It's just is so it mercifully is it mercifully brief? You know you're talking ninety minutes or is it, <sighs> it feels longer? I think it's just over ninety minutes, but. It, it kind of drags at times, you know. At times you just just hurry up because we know what's going on, and you know. It, again, it's not clever or anything like that as well. Do you know what I mean? So it's, it, it does not enough to hold you where you you kind of kind of figure out what's happening. You know, a step ahead all the time. So yeah, it just kind of labors it labors itself at times as well. But I, think, I mean, out of ten, out of 10 Jesus, I'd, I'd probably give it another four. Um, yeah, I'd, 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 I'd,
um, you know, possibly five, just as an odd to the other three films. Um, maybe, um, you know, but yeah, four and a half again. Four and Jesus, half. I'm not four today. Honestly. You have a bad week, yeah. Yeah, everything's yeah, a fucking a bad. four. I'm not too bad a week. I'm going to move on to one that's also on Netflix, but it is a cinematic. It didn't get a cinematic release in Britain, or if it did, it was one of those sort of like real. Um, key cities kind of releases, you know, or art house cinema releases. Mm-hmm. You know, it only showed maybe in like four cinemas in the whole of the country. Yeah. Um, which is a real shame because it is probably my, possibly not quite my film of the week, but definitely one of the best ones I've seen for a long time. Um, it's a film called Good Time. Okay. Directed by Benny and Josh Safty, who the only film I've really done was a film called Heaven Knows What, which not many people saw, but it's actually, it's actually really good. Um, the plot of this film is two brothers played by Robert Pattinson and by Benny Safdie, the, the, the director, mm-hmm. um, are bank robbers. But Benny is a, he's, he's like mentally handicapped. Um, they rob a bank, they get away with it, but then Benny gets picked up for something else and he gets put, put in Riker's prison. Okay. The rest of the film is it's basically a night in the life of Robert Pattinson trying to raise the money through various different ways in order to get his brother out of Riker's prison. Okay. Feel that while because he's you know because he's mentally handicapped in that way, he'll you know shop he shop himself in, or he'll get you know killed or beat up or something in prison, and that's essentially the, that's essentially the plot of the film. Right. Okay. So I'm intrigued. First of all, just with Robert Arpat, Robert Patterson. Um, I think he's been making some really interesting choices over the past five or six years. He's really trying Definitely. to shake off the the kind of teen heartthrob Twilight shit. And he's made a lot of bold choices, so I'm really interested to hear that he's he's still he's still you know pursuing that. Absolutely, I and mean, this film is a continuation of that. It's a fantastic role he takes on, but he gives so much to it as well. He he really does. He he you would not pick, you know put this guy you watch me go oh that's a guy who was once in you know sort of a franchise based film that you know that is a teen heartthrob. Yeah, he, mm. he's he's a dirty nasty character in it. He had an undying love for his brother, there's absolutely no doubt about that. Yeah. Um, but he, he gives so much to this character. And, and in a fair and just for our parts would probably be up for some sort of, you know, best actor. Did you think he's going to get completely overlooked? I think, I think I don't think it's seen by enough people in America and here. No, you know, people have talked about it, rave reviews, but it's not, I've not seen much, you know, talk about it, you know, getting that kind of buzz. Which are, and now it's on Netflix as well. I mean, hope that's I don't know if people will not vote for it in that respect because it's now on that media as opposed to being in the cinema any longer. You know, it didn't get much of a cinema release, mm-hmm. but it deserves to. He is fantastic. One of the big like Benny um, Safdie, who plays the brother and also like the director. Mm-hmm. The opening of the film is essentially him getting interviewed by a psychologist to try to you know just see he's okay and everything. You know, it's it's because he has got these mental these mental handicaps. Mm-hmm. When you're watching the first, I think maybe the first five minutes of the film, you would swear it's a documentary. Because yeah. portrayal, and, and also I assumed he was mentally handicapped. Because every inch of the, what he's doing is 100% believable as someone who's suffering from a, a, an ailment and mm-hmm. a, a, you know, this kind of this, this handicap. Because it's such a committed performance and it essentially just holds on his face for the few first few moments, just cutting back and forth between him and the psychologist. And it's one of the most painful things you've ever seen in cinema or really? on, on film. It's so heart wrenching to watch. You can you can literally see this guy's brain ticking over, but not understanding what he's been asked. 
mm. and it's so brutal and it's so horrible. It's so it's so touching. And then from that, Patterson takes him away, and you see him sort of like you can see his brother leads them on and things like that. Um, but it's a really good film. We've also got Jennifer Jason Lee in it, which I was really happy to see. She's always good. She's she's always a stunning actress. Yeah. Always fantastic, mm-hmm. um, and I think they're doing and really again a really interesting and, and sort of meaty role she had. But didn't wasn't a, a lot because it's, it's more of very much a support role she's got. But when she is on camera, she is fantastic. Um, and it's just it's a real kind of grim slice of reality. It's not I'm, I'm hesitant to say reality because it doesn't feel real at times, but it does feel real in the same way. Yeah. You know, there's certainly nothing clean or or nice about it, um, and it's certainly not going for the big Hollywood fun ending. Yeah. You know. Everyone in the film seems pretty reprehensible, for the most part. Does it feel, does it feel low budget? Oh yeah, it feels like it's been made on you know something limited. Absolutely, yeah. hmm. it does feel very very indie. But again, this comes back to, and you've said this a lot before that if you give a director you know, take the budget away from them, they've got to then become inventive and creative and you know the, the story's got to shine through because they've not got the effects and stuff like that. And do you think that's Absolutely. More hardship, films like this. Hardship creates ingenuity. You know, it's like it's, if, if you can say you have anything you want, then <coughs> you can have it. You can make you can make Geostorm. You can make Fast and Furious Seven. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. say you've got an idea that you think will cost a million, and they say right, we're only going to give you half a million for it, yeah. make it work. Then you bec- you get clever enough. You get smart. You try and do things that you shouldn't be doing. You maybe try and do something like the Florida Project. You try and sneak into Disneyland and make a movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you you decide to shoot a film on, you know iPhones to do that. You decide to make something that's yeah. that, that 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 has that that feels real and feels raw in, in a lot of way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think I always think whether a budget a film should be knock thirty percent off that and let's see people work. Yeah, give them a reason to fucking you know, you know sweat over it. Yeah. Yeah, like for the next Batman film. I mean, Batman films are raised like meant like one hundred and fifty million. Half that. Give him, give him seventy five million and go and make like a noir film. You know, a gritty noir Batman film. Equally, do it, do it even with um, another big kind of cat. Even you know, do a Star Trek movie. Take a lot of money off it. You know, have a big effects thing at the start. Then make it a, a, a like a, a companion piece. Something you know, like sort of you know, a character driven piece. Yeah, yeah. Do something like that. You know, fans might not totally embrace it, but if you take a low enough risk on it, then it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, you still get your money back. And this film's obviously not in, in those. Sort of stratospheres, but yeah. it definitely does feel like they've used their money and every inch of the money they've used has been on screen. Whereas, like again, we talked about, oh, they're bright. If you watch Bright, Bright costs a hundred million dollars. You can't see where any of that money is. No, it looked fucking terrible. But yeah. to play devil's advocate, there is a lot of really, really shaggy low budget movies as well. So, oh. you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot of really, really shitty big budget movies. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. a budget. Good story will always shine through, but I always think, <coughs> like you said, if you can maybe just make people, you know, push themselves a little bit faster, a little bit harder, mm-hmm. to stretch that money into making something else, yeah. it can it, it usually, it's not usually, it can lead to some really, really good things. Um, and this is an example of that. I don't know how much their budget was stretched. It does feel stretched. Yeah. It does feel, it feels like a quick shoot as well. Um, but yeah, so if you get a chance to watch it, it's on Netflix. It's called Good Time. Um, I would give it 7.5 out of 10. There is stuff in it that didn't quite work for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, more plot wise rather than just the way you're anything away. Um and also I really hate the music on it. The music really annoyed me. Yeah. What kind yeah. of music was it like? I remember remember that film Only God Forgives? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
kind of that kind of weird techno sort of electronica shit. Right, okay, okay. Right, um, and, people might, and people might say it works well in the film, which I suppose it does to a degree. I didn't like it. It, 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 nah, it just it really annoyed me for most of the film. Cool. I'm excited to see this because I do like our part a lot and, and I can almost kind of feel what this movie's going to be. So, yeah, you, you've completely sold me this and, and I will watch it. Um, but, sorry, what did you give out of 10? Seven? Seven and a half. Seven and a half, not bad at all. Um, yeah. Just quickly before we go on to the, the, the kind of big one and, and wrap things up for tonight as well. Um, what, another thing I've been watching or started watching is um, I've finally done it called the Peaky Blinders. You've been seduced by Peaky Blinders? I've, well, I've just, well, before we started this podcast, I was watching the last half of season one finale, um, and I had to tear myself away from it to, to come and to come and chat to you. Um, have you have you watched any of it at all? No, I've got on my Netflix, you've never had a chance. Um, we're not here to talk about this and all that movies, but I just had to say it's fucking phenomenal, um, really well written, and Sam Neill is just a revelation. Um, so, yeah, when, when you get around to it, I think you're in for a treat, sir. I will get around to it. It's one of the things I will. I know I will get around to eventually in life, but just it could be ten years from yeah, now. Yeah, it's, it's so much to watch. That's the problem. So on to the big I, one, Richard. I need um, deep in the punishment right now. So uh, <laughs> that sounds so fucking wrong. It does sound wrong, yeah. <laughs> um, so the the big one this week, um, the, the the big release um, is of course free billboards. Um, do you want to Outside give, Missouri, give it Missouri, it's a fantastic <laughs> title. It's a film we've both been looking forward to for a long time, I think, ever since we saw the early trailers of it, and we've yeah. heard a sort of buzz about it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Directed by Martha McDonough, yeah. who did In Bruges. In Bruges and Seven Psychopaths Seven as well. Psychopaths, he did. His brother did Calvary, if you remember that film. I do, I've never seen it, but I know um, Just to be a bastard here, and you'll boo and hiss me for it, because um, I, I know you like it a lot, but... Um, I was talking clearly about this uh, the other night because we've both seen three billboards last night and on the way home we were talking and me and Andy tried to watch In Bruges last week mm-hmm. and I got about 10-15 minutes in and I just couldn't stomach it. Um, really? Seriously? Seriously, I just could not get it. We switched it off. I just couldn't I think In Bruges is a phenomenal film. I think it's fantastic. Like, it's brilliant from start to finish. I, I will re-watch it often. Yeah. I think Cracking movie. I, maybe I was just not in the mood. I picked the wrong time yeah. or something. I maybe need to try again. But because I, 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 I was really looking forward to it, and I, I kind of know what it's about, and I know how much hype there is and how much love there is for it. And I was so so you know got comfy, cup of tea ready and stuff for that. Put it on, and fifteen minutes later, I was like, no, I think we end up putting on something fucking terrible instead. Um, but yeah, I would, so, yeah. I, I'm not serious. I would, if I was rating them, I would definitely put in Bruges ahead of Seven Psychopaths. I I enjoyed, but didn't love Seven Psychopaths. Right. Um, I would put in Bruges definitely above those. Um, and I'd probably put, I'd probably put in Bruges above this one as well. But I'll get onto that in a minute. Okay. Um, I look for his brother's work as well. Um, because he did Calvary and he did a film called The Guard as well. Mm-hmm. Which both of them are just fantastically well written movies as well so it's some very proud parents in the mcdonough family in the mcdonough household i would imagine so so on to um three, billboards, three billboards. Uh, <sighs> basic plot of this film is francis mcdormand um daughter is raped and killed yeah um she is unhappy because it's been seven or eight months later mm-hmm. and no arrests have been made so she rents three billboards that are literally outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah. And yeah. puts up a series of billboards that's basically say, what does it say? Why so, no arrests? Yeah, but but rape, um, raped will dine. Um, still no arrest. How come Chief Willoughby? 
that's what it is, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, this causes consternation in the town because everyone kind of likes Chief Willoughby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of turn against her as a person. Yeah. And it's basically, she's a, basically she's a, she's a live grenade in this town. She sort of just, just sort of explodes in this town. Mm. There's all sorts of problems because of it. Yeah. And she sort of, and she, and she seems to not really care that she's causing problems. She wants to cause problems at this time. She wants answers about what happened to her daughter. Um, and, and that, and without ruining any, I don't want to ruin any of the film, but that yeah. film goes in from that. You get to see sort of a series of people who are investing in this woman through sometimes through sort of really random connections, not random connections, but sort of like tenuous, tenuous to a degree, you know, to a certain degree. Because, you know, one of the people you see the his story develop is the person she rents the billboards from. Yeah, yeah. You know, so you see their stories and how this causes problems and friction and yeah, yeah. and drama in the in the community. Um, fantastic cast, like I said, Francis McDormand plays the, the lead role. Um, the mother. You've also got Sam Rockwell, who I thought was absolutely terrifyingly brilliant in this film. Yeah, um, Woody Harrelson, as you mentioned. Um, Woody Harrelson. Was, well, uh, Peter Dinklage, I thought, turned in a nice wee turn as well. Who? Peter Dinklage. Peter Dinklage was in it. Yeah, he didn't have a lot to do, but when he did, he done it well. And also, Cale Landry Jones as well. He played quite a pivotal role. You get a couple of key scenes, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, it's almost, I think it's almost one of the first films where he actually he makes a joke about himself being a dwarf, which I've never seen him do before. It kind of, I suppose, kind of an elf a wee bit. Um, you know, it, it, it's a kind of wee cheeky bit an elf, it is a bit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it kind of. He's he, he always said he plays roles that treat him as an actor, not as an elf. That's, yeah. That's, or, like, you know, don't want, he doesn't want to play elves or pixies or that kind of shit. Mm-hmm. He wants to play role, and when you're watching with an actor, he wants to say like that's he's playing the role regardless of who he is. He's playing that role, and this yeah. film is very much the same. He's playing, he's just playing a man yeah. who happens to be a dwarf, but he makes a joke about it at one point. I guess in Game of Thrones, he's kind of more exposed to that now, unfortunately, and that, that's yeah. what kind of way. Plus, as well, as St. Lorraine, strange enough, he, he's, he's the only dwarf that I don't have a real phobia of, and I think it's because I've seen him so much in Game of Thrones. Dwarf. I've built <laughs> up a care. tolerance to Peter Dinklage, which is, yeah. uh, which is strange. But back to Free Billboards. Um, yeah. Get black comedy. What, what do you think really, really black, and I think that's what kind of jarred me the most is yeah. the trailer. You know, the trailer pitches it as a funny movie, and you go in, and and by the end of it, you know, I was like numbed almost, but by just yeah. how dark it was. I mean, the jokes are fast in it and they're quick, but every time you get a joke, you know, two seconds later, the next scene just fucking tears the heart out of you. Yeah, um, you like, know, I love, I love this film. I love this film, but the trailer sells a different movie. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it's hard watching at times. Um, Frances McDermott, um, she, she just emotes amazingly. Like when she, when she conveys grief, you, you, you your heart breaks. You know, oh, and it's it, just a yeah, look in her face and stuff like that. And you can, you never get to feel. Your daughter died, but. You don't see the grief she went through and stuff like that, you know, and, and the kind of various grieving stages. It puts you at a point, I think it's like eight or nine months later, and it's like, you know, obviously she's been through this, she's been through that, and now she's here, and this is what's made of that, but you never know. So you just kind of get half of the character, and it, it slowly it kind of reveals wee bits more and more, and you start to kind of see it unfolding, and just every every time she's on that screen was just fucking wild. Just, uh, there's nothing but pain when you watch her on screen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, know, you feel nothing but pain and sorrow for her. Yeah. And you feel that almost for every single character in this film. Definitely. I mean, even. You feel the, the, nothing but pain for as well. Yeah, yeah. 
Rockwell's because Rockwell's a horrible person. And he's one of the most dislikable versions of Rockwell. I mean, he's supposed to be that. So it's not. Like, yeah, but by the end, you sympathise with him. And you, do you, I don't sympathise with him at I all. I kind of do. But there's one bit where he's sitting on the phone to her and he's holding something in his hand, and you're thinking, "Don't you know? Don't because you you think you know what's going to happen. It doesn't. But you're thinking, "Fuck! Don't do this to this character." Do you know what I mean? And yeah, that's. Know, one good thing doesn't set apart an evil person. No, I'm not saying it does, but I think... I, I think he takes, like, such a fucking... Not shallow character, but it is almost a two-dimensional character, and he fleshes it out and gives it so much life and breath. Oh, and I yeah, think, yeah. I think, Berendi, you do... Kenison, I'm not saying I sympathise agree with the character's choices and, and his beliefs, but I sympathise with him because I say there's a point where you think he's going to do something, and you're like... Almost holding your breath, like don't fucking do it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's you know that's not the way the movie should go and stuff like that. I think what you're saying is that's not the way the movie should go. I think that's a big point of this film. Every time you think the film is going in a certain direction, it doesn't. It'll just make a, a sharp turn for yeah. just just to mess with you. Just to just to, I mean, you can't really talk about it without ruining it because it will ruin. I know. Oh. <laughs> There's going to be a lot of off mic discussion about this the yeah. next time we meet, sir. Oh, yeah. um, well, I, no. The Woody Harrelson character, for example, what that character does, you're like, oh my god, that that just happens, and you, it just yeah. you don't feel it coming at all. No, not at all. Me and Lydia both said that. Do we were just like, the fuck, you know, that yeah. that happened. Yeah, I, feels, the moment you watch it, it feels really feel good. Yeah, this is what should happen to this character. Yeah, but you only <laughs> essentially only at the point when it happens, you go, yeah, that makes sense. But if you'd someone asked you like, I'm um, like five minutes before that film, Would what's going to happen to this character in the next five minutes? Nah, you. No, no idea at all. None yeah. whatsoever. Yeah. Quite a lot of the time I felt almost guilty for, you know, laughing. You know, I, I, I didn't, there wasn't, there was funny bits in it. There was nothing that was like kind of big, proper laugh out loud moments for me personally. And it's because the funny bits, you know, that I chuckled at or kind of inwardly, I felt guilty about it because the next scene or the scene prior to it, was so fucking bleak, do you know what I mean? So I was uh, just in this constant emotional ride, I like fucking... Yeah, the bleak <coughs> is hard to overcome, but what really got me, the, the funny bits were on the trailer. Most of them, yeah, yeah, yeah there was a few, they, but yeah. They, they do happen in the film, when you're watching the film, you go, right, I've seen this a few times now. Mm. It is funny, but it's not making the balls out laughing. Like, like, for example, the scene when she's driving the car. Yeah. And she just yells at the reporter. Mm-hmm. That was in all the trailers, so I've, I've, I was expecting that moment to come along. And it happens in the film where I expect it to happen, so I'm like, yeah, that, 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 that's what it wants to be. If I'd never seen that bit in the trailer, this is my fault of watching trailers, that bit would have probably killed. Yeah, you know, it'd been a played. lot, a lot so, funnier. Yeah. yeah, and that's not a fault of the film. That's not a fault of the film, that's a fault of the, like, sort of the, um, the advertising of it. Probably maybe years to come and watch the film again and forget about that, and then when you watch it, you're like, oh, that's really funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, like just also the bit of like I'm remembering now, not it's not ruining anything. The dinner that Peter Dinklage and Francis McDormand have, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's just one of the most painful things to watch. Yeah, yeah. There, there's it's, a lot of that, and it. it's just so. I, I think it, it almost it, it took my breath away just with how bleak it was and dark it was. Honestly, I, I did not expect it, and I knew it was going to be a dark film, but it just came out, you know, like <laughs> a bit kind of shell shocked. I think. Yeah, um, I think it's a film that both. It's, Stayed with me since I've watched it, and I think it's one we'll have to probably watch again to fully kind of understand where it where it went and what it was doing. And funny you say that, but because and 
I spoke to Lauren about this this morning as well because we, again we kind of both watched it and after I'd seen it you know I was kind of mulling it about my brain and it kind of stuck for a while but then when I woke up this morning it, it was just kind of gone you know it was like it didn't linger as long as I thought it would have and uh, I don't know if it's because it was so tightly written that mm. you know the story goes from you know the movie starts and it finishes and yeah. I think you get it, do you know what I mean? It's like it's so well tightly written. It's you know, there's there's a story, we're not trying to trick you, we're not trying to fucking send you in wild goose chases or do a Chris Nolan and, you know, fuck your head, you know, it's like that that's the story, that's it, you know, it starts, it concludes and there's oh. all the pieces for you. And I think that's a good thing sometimes. It's, a, it's a performance of it's Rockwell's performance and McDonald's product stay with me. Like Rock the scene of Rockwell when Rockwell goes, his his big scene you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That is some. That is just. It's terrifying. Yeah. Rockwell is not. We all love Rockwell as an actor. I think, he's, I think he's one of the best actors around. You've never seen that side to him doing a performance like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, even though he played a, a, a supposed um, assassin in um, Depression of a Dangerous Mind, which it I... still was nowhere near as nasty as this one. Yeah. No, he um, plays. Yeah, he's a fucking horror. Isn't it? But do you know what? Is, is I never kind of really thought I'd ever seen Sam Rockwell in anything at all because I'd not seen Moon and stuff like that and mm. then I looked up his INDB and he's in so many things that I've seen but I've never just kind of associated yeah. like that's Sam Rockwell and well he done Saturday Night Live this week and his opening monologue was yeah I'm the guy from that movie not that guy from the movie but you know the other <laughs> guy from the movie there you go so it plays and right in my the hands he's the other guy in the movie but he's usually the best thing in that movie but you don't know who he is. He's like, oh, and then you find it. Fuck that's weird. But yeah, I done that. I went through IMDb and I was like, I'd say he's got like what seventy credits. Like, but thirty of them I've actually seen. And I've, if somebody said Sam Rockwell was in that film, I'd be like, I don't know who he was in that film. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A, it, like he rocks yeah. up in Iron Man two and he just yeah, Iron Man 2. which I didn't know until last night. <laughs> yeah. I've seen that film more times than I fucking can count. Do you know what I mean? It's I would say what you should watch um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. He plays Beeble Rocks in that one. Yeah, again. The film itself is solid, it's good, but he is, he owns it. He's he the best thing in it, yeah. yeah. Everything's fine. Everything, I can't think of a film that Sam Rockwell's in that he is not the best thing in it. Yeah, and and again, like, this is me just noticing Sam Rockwell. So that's, I, I don't know if that's what makes a good actor. They come in and do their job so well, do you know what I mean? That they don't. You, you, know. Almost, you almost don't associate him as an actor, you yeah. don't like he's just a guy who comes in. Yeah. And then you almost like, yeah, he's doing what he does. And then it's only years later you go, shit, he's a really good actor. He, he, he can fulfill so many different things. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Sam Rockwell. I think I think McDormand's going to pick up the Best Actress Oscar for this one. I can't I see why she wouldn't. Yeah, I think she will. She was fucking... She, she deserves it. I mean, she really does. Um, it's easy to kind of say that, and people who maybe haven't seen the film, you know, and if anyone disagrees with that, see the film first if you've not, because... Like I say, she she just has to look, you know, at the camera in a certain way, and, and that's it. You just like, you get every emotion that, that she's feeling. Just you know, it just flows through you, and yeah, she's amazing at it. Absolutely. Think Rockwell could pick up best supporting. Um, possibly. Who's the competition for that? I think I'm not so sure. Well, we'll be doing a, an Oscar special at some point in the very near future. I think. I mean, he's going to get annoyed for it. That's true. But is there not some? I think Lorraine was saying there's some controversy at the moment because people are saying. Should he get a nod because of the type of character he played? Which I think, well, yeah, he's a fucking actor. Yeah, could, you, know? yeah that, you can't put it through a lens of you can only give it to people who play. Yeah, who play yeah, some yeah, fun yeah. You, you know, know, you know, 
Anthony Hopkins has got an Oscar for Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, totally. It's like if their yeah. if their job as an actress to take that character and make you revile love whatever that character, then yes. they fucking deserve an award for doing that. Do you fucking yeah, the, 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 that's award, the point. Yeah, the award is not for what the character is. The award is the fact that you portrayed that character. You know, <laughs> yeah, totally, believably so. It is an acting award, not a an award for who that person is. Yeah. So I hope I hope he gets a nod at the very least. Um, as for winning it. I'm sure I had some something else in my mind that I kind of thought should, but yeah. yeah but that's for another conversation. Yeah. The only thing I, dis- the only thing I really dislike about the couple of things I disliked about the film, mm-hmm. Abby Cornish. She was the wife of Willoughby. Yes. Yeah, Lorraine didn't like her as well. Um, I didn't get that. all over the place. Yeah, I didn't get it because at first I thought she was American, then I thought no, she's English. She's and, one point and she went yeah, British. At one Lorraine point said that as well, and possibly French as well. Yeah. Um, so she seemed woefully out of depth. Yeah, yeah. It's shame because he, she also is liked by the director because she's in the M Seven Psychopath as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She might have a certain role somewhere, but I didn't. I thought she really was the one person as well who felt it didn't handle the dialogue and didn't handle the what it was yeah um, did you like the deer scene I did I thought it was touching um, really touching I, that, that and the slipper scene I thought were two really fucking beautiful at moments yeah. yeah I like the slipper scene I, I enjoyed that uh, the deer scene just I don't know if it left me feeling I, I mean I get the emotion that she's going through mm-hmm. but that I, it felt I don't know it, it felt out of place for myself as in unrealistic, surreal, too Unrealistic real, in the sense, I don't think that character would be like that. And she acknowledges herself, this is stupid, I know you're not her. I know, but you do see, like, like that there's one or two times when she'll use a certain word and you see, because as we say, we're, we're kind of giving this character, you know, nine months into her kind of grieving process, but there's just wee tiny bits where she'll just say one word to someone, and you maybe kind of know what I mean, I'm trying to give it away. And you think she's got so much heart, and you know, you, you just see the person that she was just Before. that sentence she says, yeah. And I think that's kind of where that took me that scene as well, maybe. Yeah. Fair point, fair yeah. point. That, maybe. Those, I mean, that's the only two notes I have in the entire film, yeah. Where the Cornish annoyed me because I think she was up to the task and the, the deer scene, that yes. was it. What about the, the ex husband's girlfriend? What did you think of her? I like her, she's a good actress, she's funny. Yeah. Um, she Lorraine, Lorraine had said. Oh, is that it's in that? One of the ah, babysitters. Right, yeah, I get right, I do remember. Lorraine had said she felt that the bit at the very start when the ex was goes in, she kind of comes in to ask you the bathroom. Uh-huh. Lorraine thought that kind of scene seemed really kind of like people wouldn't talk like that. That's not how the real person would talk. I didn't really I pick got, it as I much, got the fact that she was nervous and she thought she was speaking to an right, adult. Right, she's she's just nervous. Nervous. a mind to a child. Yeah. You know, mentally she's still acting like a child. Yeah, yeah. She wasn't, she wasn't, she didn't have a big enough role in it to, not, to, to you know, sort of make a big impact, but I like yeah. it. No, I, I didn't mind that it did at all, and let's say it's kind of not seen that much anyway, but yeah, that that was kind of Lorraine's looking at commentary on it on, on that part, was she thought that it seemed a bit, you know, would she have spoke like that, but I think later on she thought the character kind of developed past that, so yeah. Um, out, of, out of 10, what are you going to give it? Um, gave it a solid 9, sir. Nine. I'm much the same. Nine out of ten. Nine. Well. Uh, Lorraine gave it a nine as well because we're kind of computer we range as well. So that's three nines. I'm pretty sure our friend over in the Isle of Man would score I it. I think he's given. I think if we can give it twelve out of ten, he'll give it twelve <laughs> out of ten. I think he's already installed it as his top film of twenty eighteen already. Yeah, at the very least a nine. At the very most a ten. But that's us for this week. Do you want to tell people where to find us, Solvey? Yeah, of course I do. Um, so yeah, the usual. You can find us at uh, freebeersandamovie at gmail dot com if you want to send us an email. 
two fucking emails. Uh, free beers in a movie. Um, we're on Facebook as well, um, Instagram too, and uh, you can also download us on SoundCloud. Free beers in a movie, and we're also on iTunes as well. So look us up, give us some likes, some feedback. Let us know what's good, bad, and different. Give us your thoughts on the fucking movies. Let us know who you think's going to win Oscars with some rock well good. Did you sympathise with them? You know, let us know what you think as well. Um, and those two emails but um, that's us done for this evening Mr Laird so well, we'll just, just very quickly next week is out we've got Downsizing which is discussed tonight it's out on general release on Wednesday which I will try and uh, catch catch we've also got out tomorrow we've got The Commuter oh which I'm going to go and see next Tuesday or Wednesday which looks horrendous but fun but fun possibly <laughs> fun yeah do you know you know who's got the big crazy on Twitter who Stephen King is he yeah said it's like Agatha Christie but with Liam Neeson on our exploding train well, do you know what? I'll, that's that's not a bad write-up. Ping was out a story, so he's out a good story. Yeah. Um, but the main event next week, and the one I'm looking forward to the most, um, is out uh, tomorrow, well, tomorrow as in today, Thursday, tomorrow is Friday, mm-hmm. um, is The Post, Spielberg's newest s- movie. Is this Streep and Hank's first cinematic venture together? Absolutely, I think it possibly could be, yeah. yeah. Um, it's going to be amazing. Um, to... I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to go and see it Monday. Um, I really cannot wait for it. I'm very excited but next yeah. week could just be a full Spielberg fest uh, possibly well I'm going to see it Tuesday or Wednesday I'm going to do commuter and that either of the two days so I'll see both of them and by this time next week we'll be chatting about Mr Spielberg's career and I'm sure we'll be drilling over Tom Hanks as usual as well indeed so for this week I have been Richard Laird you I have been Colin McKay and you've been listening to